Welcome back, everyone, to Ravens Recap. Got a lot to talk about in today's episode, including more free agency news and our takeaways from the comp pick bracket that you guys hopefully saw and filled out last week. Uh, To start with, though, uh, about an hour or two before recording this, the Ravens broke the news that a well-revered scout within the organization, Ron Marciniak, passed away at the age of 87. He was well-respected within the organization, coined the phrase, play like a Raven, which pretty much every Ravens fan is aware of, is noted as being a big mentor to Eric DaCosta. So despite the fact that this is probably the first that many Ravens fans have have heard of this guy, uh, we still wanted to take a moment of silence to remember this man, respect what he's done for the Ravens in his life since he was meant so much to the Ravens family. Yeah, Peter, thank you for bringing this to our attention. I didn't realize he was also the guy who brought the Red Star player concept to the Ravens draft board. I've heard a lot about the Red Stars. I think the Lounge podcast went into that, talking about the process that goes on on draft day. And yeah, Definitely seems like a person that put a big stamp on the Ravens. You know, we talk about how Eric DaCosta and Ozzie Newsome are these legend GMs, but there are a lot of people that help them out. And it sounds like Ron was a big contributor as well. In lighter news, we have lots of responses to our compensatory pick bracket. Thank you so much for engaging on Twitter and on Reddit. It was definitely one of the biggest responses we've ever seen. Got a lot of people in the community talking. Thank you to Ken McCusick of Film Study and a lot of the people who have been on Film Study like McFarlane and uh, Michael Crawford and uh, Sarah Ellison. Uh, I know all those guys um, sending responses. Uh, yeah, it was great. Definitely. So I posted my bracket finally this uh evening and i end up picking juice along with uh chris so peter what did you end up choosing so i did have juice in the final two but i had him losing to nick boyle this may be some recency bias but nick boyle was just you know such a a unique player this year especially he has in previous years as well but just the way that he was used in this offense just Gave me the final nod, but it was close between those final four. I had Mulatalo, Boyle, Yushek, and, and Bozeman. All, all four great comp picks by the Ravens. Overall, we got a lot of uh, heat, I feel, about the McPhee seeding. I think if he was in the uh, Ricky Wagner bracket, he would have made a lot of people's final fours, but with Edwin Mulatalo, he kind of blocked him out. I think of the people we could have displaced, Ricky Wagner would have been the it seemed like we had five people, you know, five really good picks per se. And uh, then there was a little bit of a drop off. So just the way the bracket worked out. But yeah, mm-hmm. McPhee got a lot of love. He won a lot. So as a second seed did well. And there were some interesting matchups. I think the four and five seeds, just like in a typical March Madness or, you know, those right next to each other seeds. There were a couple ones where I had upsets and uh, I saw some people say the same. So I think we did a pretty good job on seeding, but it was definitely interesting. Maybe Chad Williams is another guy who could have probably been a two seed because he got a lot of uh, love. Yeah, no, I agree. I was uh, I was actually expecting to have a couple more 
upsets when I actually filled before I started filling out the bracket. But yeah, going through the seedings, you know, I had I think I, I did put Urschel over Gilmore and Cornell Brown over Dixon. And I did have Williams beat out Tony Pachos in the uh in the sweet sixteen, but <laughs> Peter, I did the exact same things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Alex bracket right now. Yep, I see that. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we, we hyped up Chad Williams quite a bit over the summer in our underrated uh, Ravens segment. I think uh, despite the fact that this bracket really didn't leave a huge amount of uh, variance among the fan base, I still think it was a, a cool exercise to kind of, you know, talk about something in a, in a slow time in sports. Yeah, Peter, I think you bring up a great point. Real MT on Reddit brought this up. But he was just blown away how many of them were comp picks. He counted 11 starters. And that really just shows the value of having more and more draft picks because it just gives you more and more chances to roll the dice and see if you get a player who really can contribute either long-term or even just as a short-term, first couple of years of the contract player did well and then gets paid somewhere else. And then, of course, you get comp picks for that. So really works out well for an organization to have that treadmill of comp picks. Yeah, definitely. I mean... 11 starters here but I mean I'm sure that there are several more of these players that you know we would recognize even from like the last 10 years that you know we as fans remember their names so they may not have been starters but they have contributed they have played a certain number of games and you know they've you know at least their names on our mind that means they they suck out we're able to make some sort of plays whether it was in the preseason or or in some games in the regular season but uh, yeah, it was overall. I'm super, super happy with the with the turnout. I hope everyone had a uh, as much fun taking a look at all these names and and remembering back some of these players as uh, as we did making the bracket. Absolutely. So a lot of free agent news has occurred since the last time we recorded. Michael Pierce has found new pastures with the Vikings. His deal was a three year, twenty seven million dollar with eighteen guaranteed, which will be enough for a comp pick. So that kind of goes back into the whole formula and also Seth Roberts got signed to the Carolina Panthers so we wish him well but that was basically it for Ravens leaving we also cut Brandon Carr which was a disappointment but everyone kind of saw it coming but with that money we went and got Jimmy Smith back yeah uh, this one I'm not really sure if I'm surprised or not that the Ravens re-signed Jimmy Smith the money's there it's only a one-year deal with a 3.5 base salary the other $2.5 million of that deal is incentive-based, so it's not going to count too, too much against the cap. But it just feels like for the past four seasons, I feel like we keep wondering whether or not it's Jimmy's last season in Baltimore. It just has seemed like a cut candidate for a while now. Jimmy Smith is such an interesting figure in Ravens history because the guy can be dominant one week and then really susceptible the next. And it's not always even matchup dependent because this guy has shut down the likes of OBJ and, and AJ Green before and gotten burned by them as well. So it'll be interesting to see how much he has left in the tank, but with how deep the Ravens are at cornerback, why not bring him back as a fourth? Yeah, that's kind of what I look at really, Peter, is that I think probably going into last season, Jimmy Smith was penciled in as one of the starters. I mean, we didn't have Marcus Peters at that point. 
and Brandon Carr, you know, also uh, turned 34 this year. So he was a little bit older. We kind of, we kind of knew coming out of training camp that he was getting a few more reps at safety. And so we thought he was going to be a player that would kind of, you know, be a backup in both of those roles. And, you know, by the end of 2019, he played more safety than he did cornerback. So it really wasn't there to be particular corner depth. But I think going into 2020, when you look at the roster, I mean, you have Marlon Humphrey, and you have Marcus Peters, two really, really strong outside corners, much, much younger than Jimmy Smith. As long as those guys stay healthy, I think they're definitely the primary two options on the outside. And Jimmy Smith, to me, is probably one of the best backups that you could get as your third or fourth corner. I mean, he can kind of come in at either one of those outside spots, and you wouldn't see too much of a drop-off from Marlon Humphrey or Marcus Peters. So, you know, with that being said, I'm excited. I'm really excited that he's back. I think it'll be interesting to see whether the Ravens try to add more depth at corner in the draft, you know, because, I mean, we all know Jimmy's been here about nine years. You know, he's been here a while, so it's going to be hard to rely on him moving forward. Although, you know, admittedly, it's it's been kind of hard to try and rely on him for the past couple of years just because of his injury history. But um, that being said, you know, it would still be great for the Ravens to be able to add a little bit more depth and, and try to bring up some more guys uh, behind Jimmy because we know that his best years are behind him. Yeah, I'm not sure what the Jimmy Smith market was. It's kind of surprising we got him for the value that we did, but he did kind of express interest in giving us a hometown discount. I think he definitely wanted to stay with yeah. the Ravens. So, I mean, we want to bring up the fact that $2.5 million of it is incentive-based. And we, we did a little research because we didn't know too much going into this, what incentives look like. So there's two kinds, likely to be earned and not likely to be earned. The likely to be earned ones, it's based off of if the player's done it before, and those count against your cap that year. But if they don't earn it, then they get uh, credited that amount on the cap the next year. And then you basically flip it with not to be earned, where it counts towards next year's cap if it's earned and otherwise just doesn't count. So definitely interesting to see the Ravens using the incentive-based approach with Jimmy Smith. And I think it makes a lot of sense. It basically says, hey, you know, if Tavon Young isn't ready for prime time when he comes back and he isn't really playing slot corner or Humphrey or Peters gets hurt and you come in and you play more, we'll give you you know, more pay because as a fourth corner, Jimmy is easily one of the best. I think he might be the best fourth corner on any roster. I mean, the guy can play still. And when he plays, he actually plays at a pretty high level unless he's injured. I remember so many years when Jimmy Smith got hurt, that was the difference in the defense. And then if he came back, the defense looked way better. And I still think he has that kind of playmaking capability and he's just getting a little bit older and maybe a little less reliable. So great pickup by the Ravens. Very excited to have Jimmy back. Gosh, I was I was saying to listener Kfish, he said, "Oh, Jimmy Smith's back. It's a lock. Like the defense is going to be super sound. Offense is as young and sound as ever." And I was like, "I hope it's 2011 into 2012, man. Like 2011, we had high hopes for the team, got let down. And I really hope this year. It, it seems like we have all the makings of a playoff run. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think back to." I believe it was week nine when we played against the Patriots. I, I think that was the first game that Jimmy Smith played coming back from that knee injury that he had when Peanut kind of flew into his knee uh, week one. And just in that game in particular, I know the defense looked very, very good that game. And I, I know a lot of it was, 
you know, probably due to some of the other new pieces that, that were also kind of in that game, like Chuck Clark and, and LJ Fort and Josh Bynes and, and some of those guys. But, you know, don't forget about Jimmy Smith, too, coming back and, and really adding a, a, an extra level of, uh, of depth and rotation in the secondary, too. It was just, you know, really, really good to, to kind of have all those different guys rotating in and out and being able to play, you know, very well uh, on the outside. Definitely agree that I think this is a good move, you know, even for, you know, a single year. I think, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what Jimmy does. I still think he can perform at a high level. Who knows after this, you know, this may truly be the last year for Jimmy Smith. Uh, who knows? You know, he might come back and surprise us or he might fall off a cliff. You know, who knows? But I, I think for 2020, I feel like um, it'll probably be uh, more of the former so Jimmy Smith is back in Baltimore, but there are several other uh, players who played for the Ravens last year currently are not signed to any teams. And some activity that just made the news very recently, the Ravens, we've already noted, have already retold their defensive line. The Ravens have already signed Calais Campbell and Michael Brockers, flipping both Michael Pierce, who we already said signed with the Vikings. And interestingly enough, the Ravens traded Chris Wormley to Pittsburgh, of all teams, for a fifth-round pick. So the defensive line is retold. Not too much going on yet with the linebacking corp, though, although we did see that um, the Ravens are currently at least in talks with, uh, with Peanut. Yeah, can we go back to the Chris Wormley trade for a sec? Because I know we didn't talk about that on the last pod. Holy crap. <laughs> right man to to costa he is a savage <laughs> just he doesn't let he doesn't let interdivision rivalries face him at all in the off season man for this guy any team as long as they have draft picks that he wants <laughs> he is going to trade with them no matter who it is that's how confident he is in his ability to acquire draft picks and turn them into good players i just thought that was absolutely amazing the Wormley trade's interesting for a few reasons. I guess the Ravens felt like they had enough of the 2020 picks, and I think they do. They have nine picks, or are close to it. I, I, it's hard to keep track with all the trades they've done, but they have you know more than seven, right? More than the base that they came in with, and they are going to receive 2021 picks. So they actually shipped out a seventh-round pick as well in 2021, but they will receive the Steelers' 2021 fifth-round choice. So pretty interesting trade with Wormley. As we spoke last week, I don't know if Peter had the take in the show or not. We're not sure. But Peter was a messiah here. He called this total prophet, uh, <laughs> saying, we're going to have a place in the defense, so let's go ahead and figure out what he's going to do. Maybe he'll get traded, and sure enough, he was. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed that that was kind of the direction they were going in my in my mind. If you signed... Brockers and Campbell, it you weren't bringing Pierce back, and then it just kind of seemed the the Brockers pick, especially you know we were debating at the time, and it, there's some other outlets that have said the same that it didn't really seem like a slam dunk signing, and some more information needed to be known to know what the Ravens were up to, which kind of seemed to spell that they wanted more of anything from. Chris Wormley's side of, of the field or anyone else who was playing that position. So Wormley just seemed like he wasn't, his talents were going to be sent elsewhere was the most likely outcome of that. 
And that's what happened. I mean, Wormley was a solid player, but certainly not a guy who's irreplaceable. So we'll see if this Brockers is an improvement, but I think that Wormley to the Ravens was an expendable player. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting having to see him uh, twice a year now in a Steelers uniform. You know, it's uh, I'm curious to see whether he's actually able to step it up on the Steelers. My homerism is telling me, you know, I hope he doesn't. But on the other hand, like, you know, you want to be happy for the guy, you know, make sure he gets an opportunity and, you know, hopefully he can kind of turn this into a new contract and, and make himself uh, a career out of it and, you know, provide for his family and, and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, I, I think out of all the teams that he could go to, though, he should definitely be happy that uh, he landed in a strong organization like the Steelers. As much as they are our rivals, we do respect them, unlike some other teams. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the other thing to think about it, too, is that they've got a really strong front seven there. And it, it seems like right now he's probably stepping in for uh, Hargreaves, who left for the Philadelphia Eagles. So... You know, the opportunity to play next to uh, Cam Hayward and uh, TJ Watt, that's a pretty good opportunity. So hopefully he's able to make the best of it over there, just uh, not against the Ravens on Sundays. <laughs> so while the likes of Pernell McPhee, a big favorite in the comp pick bracket, I must add, this guy won a few of the brackets that we saw out there. Josh Bynes is not signed. However, Justin Ellis resigned and Jihad Ward resigned both to short contracts, but it'll be good to see them in a Ravens uniform at least for one more year uh, as we continue to kind of retool or reassess our defensive line, front seven maybe, with Jihad Ward. Yeah, I think I think, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I, I feel like DaCosta's not done yet. There's either going to be a move that happens this year um, – regarding the outside linebacker position. I don't know whether it's going to be Judon being traded or we bring in a, dra- uh, a high draft pick for another outside linebacker. But I feel like we're either setting up for something this year or definitely next offseason. Because, you know, Matt Judon, definitely outside linebacker, the best one that we have right now on the roster. And, you know, I think we talked about it last episode. I think we're kind of on the fence of whether we got whether we bring this guy back on a long-term deal. Regardless, for right now, he's franchised for next year. Jihad Ward, another guy who could also play outside linebacker, although he could also play a little bit inside and has uh, for the Ravens. He's also on a one-year deal, and he's also fairly young. He's only 25. So I feel like with the you know either the Ravens are going to be doing something this year to be able to free up more draft capital and free up more cap uh, with Judon, or maybe next year, we kind of take a look and see, okay, we have Judon, who played out our last year. We have Jihad Ward, who played out their, his last year. And kind of see, maybe out of the two of them, whether they bring one or both of them back, depending on the other outside linebackers on the roster, uh, like Ferguson and, and maybe anybody else that we bring in. So I think it's going to be super interesting to see how that position group evolves uh, over the next coming years. Because I think there's a, a lot of people in flux right now. Yeah, that is an interesting uh, point you bring up with Judon and Ward that I hadn't considered. But yeah, we've talked at length before on how Ward was high draft pick from Oakland and hadn't really reached his potential with either Oakland or Indianapolis. And this most certainly didn't have a huge year last year. He did show signs of potential. If the Ravens can unlock uh, that potential this year and he's able to have a year where he puts it all together like a McPhee or a 
Zadarius Smith, with him only having that one year under his belt, it would probably be a, a cheaper contract than it would to to sign Judon, who's had consistent performance year in and year out. So could be that they're taking a gamble there. It could just be that you want to try and maintain as much consistency from year in to year out as you can. Although, if that was the case, then letting uh, Wormley and Pierce go might not have been the best move. But yeah, definitely be uh, interesting to watch coming forward. I think what fans can't forget, and I know Eric DeCoste hasn't forgotten, is the fact that we've got Lamar Jackson coming up on a contract very soon, probably as soon as next year. So we're going to have to really focus these one-year deals, these two-year deals that we have going on. They shouldn't be any surprise to Ravens fans because it's all about where Lamar's contract's going to be. And even if we, you know, re-sign him to an extension next year and maybe has a little bit lower of a salary next year, but then, you know, it balloons this cartoon uh, (laughs) salary, which will be very deserved, but, you know, just unfathomable to us, right? (laughs) 37 million, something crazy, right? I saw I, that's the latest projection I saw, which was just like, Phew. but anyways, we got to be conscious of the fact that we got stars like him. We got Humphrey to re, still resign. We've got Stanley to resign this year. We've got Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown, if we can. I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to have to be resigned. So these shorter contracts are not too surprising. Speaking of all that, we're going to want to comment here on how the Ravens have been approaching free agency so far. Definitely has been interesting how they've really doubled down the defensive line. Definitely seems like the defensive line retooling. We all knew that the pass rush would be something they wanted to do, but they've taken a pretty aggressive approach with the defensive line. Yeah, it's been interesting. It's obviously an area of need. Whether or not it's an overreaction to the playoff loss is debatable, but if we look at it, there were signs of this happening all throughout the year. We always kept, I remember saying after games, especially after the San Francisco and, and Buffalo back-to-back, how that that stretch concept play um, off tackle was really killing the Ravens' front seven and was an area of weakness, probably the biggest weakness on, on the team going into the playoffs. So it's not surprising that DaCosta wants to go that way. I think that some fans might question why we didn't go after or haven't yet gone after a wide receiver in free agency because some might say that's the biggest need. But I think that it's definitely a move that's that seems defensible. Whether or not it's the the best course of action, I think is something that is worth debate. Yeah, I mean it's it's a little interesting. I, I feel like maybe if maybe what the Ravens are thinking and maybe what Eric DeCosta is thinking is just kind of the the defensive line as a whole is something where he thought that he could really upgrade in free agency as kind of like a win now scenario, right? So, I mean, we have this window. We obviously know it's not going to be here forever. It's ideally the years until Lamar gets that contract that are the prime windows for the Ravens to win because they don't have to spend so much of the cap on him. And so, you know, if I were DeCosta, I guess I'd look at this as maybe that he thought that given some of the people in free agency on the defensive line right now, I mean, those guys are kind of still playing at a high level. So I guess 
he's kind of looking at it as like, okay, I can spend money on this position group now and get some really impact players and try to make the best of it here versus maybe he thought that there weren't, wasn't really an impact player that we kind of needed on the wide receiver group that, or, I mean, you know, maybe we just have a lot of confidence in, in the guys that we drafted already. And maybe DeCosta's thinking, Hey, he can double dip this year and draft another first round, second round uh, draft pick at wide receiver and kind of complete that receiver room and kind of help build up all this depth for not only next year, but the following years after that. And when Lamar gets his new contract and everything and, and all that goes. So that's kind of how I view it in that we're just kind of looking at D line as like a, okay, let's fix this right now and let's keep building up the wide receiver room for the years to come. Yeah. Chris, like you said, with Sanders going to the saints and Cobbs to the Texans and Cooper staying with the Cowboys and green gang tagged, I mean, there just weren't that many interesting wide receivers to start with. We might get a camp body in to be considered alongside our younger receivers, but I'm definitely with you. Given the fact that we have three picks in the first two rounds, I'd be kind of shocked if one of them's not a wide receiver who uh, maybe becomes a pretty large part of the offense like we saw Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin become last year. And... It's going to be interesting seeing more and more of the salary cap go towards the offense, not just with the signing of Lamar, but even just looking at the wide receivers we'll have to re-sign in a couple years and and the tight ends and linemen. Yeah, and especially with this this draft being as stacked at the wide receiver position as it's being projected to be, like last year is going to be a very deep wide receiver draft. So maybe there's someone out there that the Ravens already like or a couple people who they think they have a really good shot at getting in the draft. And then that makes getting a veteran guy like a Emmanuel Sanders or Randall Cobb uh, less necessary. Cause if Brown and Boykin are ready to take that big step up, then you don't need that veteran glue guy in there while the, uh, these other guys that they're going to draft going through their rookie year. I do think it's going to be interesting though, uh, what the Ravens do with some of these later round picks to try and build up some depth on the defensive line behind these guys. I mean, because if you're counting now, I mean, we have Clayus Campbell, Michael Brockers, Brandon Williams, Justin Ellis. That's four veteran players that we have on the defensive line. We usually only activate four or five or really have that many on our roster in general. And, you know, between those four, they're the four vets. Dalen Mack is returning. So that's five. I mean, it seems a little uh, vet heavy, at least for Maroon, if we're looking at like kind of like long-term roster growth. So I think it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, a guy like Justin Ellis or, or Dalen Mack are really going to stick around this year, you know, because maybe the Ravens might bring in uh, a draft pick that they feel a little bit better about moving forward, you know, for the next two, three, four years. You know, because I think obviously with the contracts of Brandon Williams, Clayus Campbell, and Michael Brockers, these guys are going to be starting, no question about it. I mean, we're we're paying them all big money. Uh, there's absolutely no reason for these guys to ride the bench unless they, you know, are hurt. So those guys are locks. But the other two, I'm not so sold about right now. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point, Chris. And I'd be surprised, again, with those three early picks, if one of them is not defensive lineman. I will say, though, Peter... Man, oh man, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Ravens at 28, if they do choose there, pick their favorite wide receiver still on the board, which there might be several, like exceptional candidates. And just the way Baltimore will salivate over another skill position player who uh, you know might excite 
the team. You know, we were, we're such a defensive team historically, but I, I will say I'm really enjoying this offensive resurgence. And if we got another weapon like that, it'd be very exciting. I, I know I'd be salivating to just to see how Lamar can use one more w- weapon. Oh, yeah. Have you seen these offseason videos from Hollywood? Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. That's <laughs> pumping me up, man. This guy is working hard. You love to see it. I hope I hope his buddy Miles Boykin is doing the same because, oh, man. Yeah, if you watch Hollywood, AB posted, you know, you can see the difference already in my cuz. And I'm like, yeah, man, he looks pretty big. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, he, tiny guy, but he's put in some serious work. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. If this is the first offseason actually being healthy and actually training like that and had such a good first year, ooh. And he's really good at using himself in Madden. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you saw that, too. He keeps throwing to himself and scoring touchdowns. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I'm sure he's, like, <laughs> I'm sure he's just, like, cussing up a storm at, uh, at Madden when the, when the himself in Madden, like, you know, takes a move or, like, jukes incorrectly. He's like, man, I wouldn't have done that. Like, I would have done, like, you know, all this stuff. You guys got to fix the code. <laughs> But yeah, after the defensive line and, and wide receivers, the big place that the Ravens still need to make some kind of move, either through the draft or through some signings, we heard the, the rumblings about Peanut, is the linebacker uh, arena. Still a lot of uh, questions about how the inside linebacking core is going to look next year. What do you guys think? Are the Ravens about to make a move? Hard to tell when... Uh... You don't really know who's out there on the trade market. That's what I would see or or be a cap cut, as long as an inside linebacker is concerned. I know there are some fans who who want Clay Matthews, um, especially because supposedly the Ravens did offer Clay Matthews a contract last offseason, and he turned them down for the Rams. I don't know. He didn't have a bad year for the Rams last year. I think he had uh, close to eight sacks, and... At 33, yeah, he's getting up there in age. What I'd love to see is for the Ravens to be able to to draft a, a linebacker in, in the first three rounds and have him stick. I think it's it's been a bit since we've had one of those guys since since Judon, um, but we'll see. I think that the preference would be for the Ravens to get someone in the draft because someone's got to stick, you know. Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams should be the replacement guys. We know they didn't develop. So I'm interested to see uh, if DaCosta is able to, to find a sleeper in the draft. Yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me if both Peanut and uh, Bynes were not resigned. I, I think my, my preference would be to resign one of them. But I mean, honestly, yeah, I mean, going into the draft, I mean, it's only a couple weeks away, assuming everything's on the schedule. It wouldn't surprise me to have to see the Ravens pick up a guy or two, uh, an inside linebacker, probably a, a later round pick, uh, maybe even undrafted. Who knows? Maybe we'll find another Zach Orr. That would be awesome. But yeah, I mean, we do have LJ Fort uh, on the roster right now. I mean, we have a couple guys. I mean, with with Anthony Levine being re-signed, I mean, maybe what that means is that you know he can take some of those dimebacker role snaps that uh, Chuck Clark this last year um maybe that's something that happens um or maybe chuck clark just plays uh 
you know, about as many snaps as he did in that dimebacker role. And Levine is sort of a, a rotational guy kind of behind uh, LJ Fort and, and Chuck Clark. You know, maybe that's what it looks like. But I would have to think that we have to get somebody new, hopefully somebody that will be able to develop and stick around, like Peter said. I don't know whether it's one guy or two. You know, personally, I'm probably leaning toward at least one new guy. And maybe, you know, we get around training camp, we may be able to uh, sign another guy, kind of like we, what we did with Josh Bynes this past year. You know, honestly, given how we rolled with the position last year, that's probably what we're going to do moving forward, unless the Ravens find some guy that they really, really like in the first, you know, round or two, you know, in which case, you know, we can build, you know, build the defense around him. But, you know, I'm not sure if the Ravens are, are looking for that right now. It is interesting to also look at this from the perspective of how do you build a defense in the NFL today and how it's different than a decade ago. I think that defensive line and secondary are what you're trying to build before the linebacker court because both those groups can ease off a lot of pressure for the linebackers and make their job easier and last offseason 2019 the Ravens focused on the secondary by getting Earl Thomas and they got Marcus Peters in the midseason with at that trade this year it looks like they're trying to shore up the defensive line with bringing in Campbell and Brockers. So the next stage of that might be the linebackers, but it looks like that's the approach they're at least trying to do. It might also just kind of be because that's just where the personnel strengths are right now because you had less holes in the secondary and defensive line than you do at linebacker with the Ravens right now. But it seems like the strategy right now is sure up the secondary and the defensive line and then do what they can with the linebackers as it is. Yeah, you can't forget that we had two younger players that both showed some promise with Olaka out of Texas A&M. He's a rookie now going into his second year who got injured but showed some promise in the preseason. Similarly, Chris Board out of North Dakota State now going into his third year. He's a guy who could kind of ascend. We saw some flashes and out of training camp, he was you know, maybe going to get the starting role over everybody. So, Definitely worth considering those two players as well. So definitely going to be a position where somebody young and relatively inexperienced is going to get a good amount of snaps, unless, of course, they bring Bynes back, which, as we discussed on previous shows, would be a scenario we all approve of. I will say, talking about the Rams, I would love if we trade for Brandon Cooks. I just don't think we have the cap room for it. That would be a wide receiver that totally excites me on the trade block. Is he on the trade block? Oh, yeah, man. They've been trying to get rid of Brandon Cooks just like they got rid of Gurley. Idiots. <laughs> but just, just got to call him the L.A. Jared Goffs pretty soon. I know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have watched Gurley film, but I watched a little bit of Gurley film. The guy can still play. It's just his offensive line was some hot trash. Like, I mean, yeah, his knees are a little suspect, but if you watch the actual film, like, he still plays. He plays well. I don't know. I, I uh, Falcons are going to be an interesting team next year with Hurst and now Gurley and all the other additions that they've been making. They make they picked up uh, Treadwell. You know now they're now they're really going to ascend. I mean, so they've like already, they've already got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I mean, <laughs> come on, like 
Treadwell's not going to add anything already <laughs> to that group, right? <laughs> Let's be clear. I was just making it. But 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 Hurston Gurley, but Hurston Gurley though, I agree with you. I, I think that's I think that could be a very scary offense. Speaking of the Rams, have you guys had a chance to look at that uh that new logo the Rams just released? Oh my gosh. Well, it got leaked a couple of days ago and people were like trashing it. It's always funny when that kind of stuff happens where a leak happens prematurely. Uh maybe maybe intentionally, who knows, but <laughs> leak happens everyone's like that's some trash that's some garbage then like you know they come out with the official announcement and they have to still be behind it <laughs> yeah i i don't know who thought that that was a good idea it's just it's not the worst sports logo i've ever seen but it it certainly is uh is pretty low <laughs> in the rankings <laughs> i don't see any pictures of the new jerseys though just the new logos i think they're uh releasing that at a later date yeah, I, I will say the Ram logo has definitely declined. The previous Ram logo looked much better. The LA thing, I don't hate that, but the actual Ram, not so much. Yeah, I don't know. I feel it, it looks like a basketball logo to me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it feels kind of weird. Aren't the uh, aren't the Buccaneers supposed to be getting a new jersey style too this year? They are. Yeah. Funny seeing all these uh, photoshopped uh, pictures of Brady in the old jersey that he'll never play in. <laughs> That's fair. I, I was just going to say, though, but like, didn't they already like revamp their jersey like less than 10 years ago? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why are they getting another one? <laughs> I just... Are, are these what, what teams who don't win do? <laughs> For real? Like... The real reason we're not filling the stadium is because people can't stand looking at our uniforms. <laughs> I, I mean, but seriously though, I mean, like you know, if you if you look at like you know, I'm pretty sure if you people have had polls out here to vote on like the best jerseys in the NFL, and I know the Ravens don't come in the top ten, despite the fact that I believe all of us love the jerseys. Maybe not all the different color combinations, Peter. I know, but most <laughs> of the jerseys, most of the jerseys we're a fan of. But, like, the Ravens haven't changed their jerseys since the late 90s. Back because of the, the, the logo issue with the original logo. We pretty much oh, got the same jersey. Yeah. And what a game changer that was. Man, that old logo was way too busy. The new logo with the with the streamlined Ravens bird looks so much better. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, it's a good-looking jersey, and it's lasted almost 20 years. Like, it just... I, I don't understand why the Buccaneers, like, they already went through a jersey change. Admittedly, I don't think it was a good jersey change. I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of the new ones, but at least they have it. Yeah. But they're going to oh. redo it again? It's crazy. The old Bucks uniforms from, like, the the early 2000s when they won the Super Bowl, I thought those were a pretty That's sick a great jersey. jersey. Yeah, those are pretty cool. I'm looking back at all their previous jerseys, and, like, yeah, they had a good jersey. They had an iconic jersey they could have just rode. And honestly, I don't even hate the, the current ones. I can understand it's kind of the newer style. I think all the teams got a little bit of a revamp when they switched from Reebok to Nike. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Some some teams just love to rebrand for no real reason. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Dolphins kind of did the same thing recently as well. That was another one I didn't like. Not that I was a huge fan of the old Dolphins uniforms, but I thought their their logo looked a lot more classic in the old way rather than mm. the the new, like... I don't even know how to describe that dolphin. Yeah, it's like a new styling dolphin versus... I like the old dolphin, too, because I had the football helmet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was imposing. Yeah. 
But at, at least at least they uh you know they um stopped suffocating the dolphin because the old dolphin <laughs> did wear that football helmet over its uh, blowhole. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh. But to get back to uh Tom Brady going to the Bucks, I think that is a relevant conversation with uh with the Ravens because in a, despite the fact that Tom Brady seemed like he was finally on the downspurt of his career last year. And maybe it really was just, you know, no Gronk and a lack of receiving talent outside of Julian Edelman. But seeing him go completely to the NFC, that's a game changer for the AFC. It's the first time since 2000 that you didn't have both Peyton Manning or Tom Brady as threats to the to that conference. You love to see it, man. The Patriots will play next year. The Buccaneers, we shall not. So uh, unless it's in the Super Bowl, which to to which I say, if that's the case, I'll take it. <laughs> and and even though they'll be playing at home, I don't care. If we have to play the Buccaneers, I think that might be actually a decent team next year, regardless of what they did with Tam, uh, with Tom Brady. TB twelve going to TB. Ugh. Anyways, I, I, I think they I think they might be a fine team, but yeah, we don't have to see him. I love that. Glad to see Hoyer, whoever the hell plays for uh, <laughs> Stidwell or <laughs> the Patriots. Yeah, or, you know, whoever they draft. Yeah, there are some interesting moves just around the league in general. We didn't talk about it too much, but with uh, David Johnson going to the Texans, Ugh. they'll have yet another falling apart running back to consider in their backfield with Duke Johnson and uh, Carlos Hyde also all wanting. Uh, reps lamar miller <laughs> wanting reps i mean it's just gonna be great it's gonna be the greatest backfield ever seen and then we got a uh, an interesting wide receiver room with kirk and fitzgerald and the new addition of deandre hopkins so lots of moves around the nfl that will make things interesting next year how much do do we think everyone's going to overpay for Kyler Murray in fantasy drafts next year? Kyler Murray is going to be the new Lamar Jackson. The problem is like it's not new is because he? even exactly so like it's not new. He's going to be he's going to be drafted like top five quarterbacks next year. So it's really just a question of people subscribing to late round QB or not. But he'll be I guarantee he'll be like one of the top five picked in most drafts because everyone's just going to be salivating over the run potential. I do question if he is going to be a top five quarterback by season's end though you never want to address someone at their ceiling and i think top three or four is his ceiling that's probably where he's gonna be drafted so yeah kyler murray's not gonna be my quarterback i'll tell you that much not that i don't think he's gonna do well i just think people are gonna be drafting him too high yeah you certainly have to look at that now and have to think that the cardinals won on that trade Oh, absolutely. There's no other way to look <laughs> like, at it. <laughs> like, I mean, if we're just, yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're just talking like the rooms there, like Alec, I, I actually, I couldn't, I didn't think about it until you literally listed out all of the running backs that the Texans have on their roster. And I'm just like, even though a lot of teams like to play running back by committee, you don't really want to do that with four veteran players who, you know, may have been really good five years ago, four or five years ago <laughs> in fantasy drafts, but you really don't want that now. Like you want like maybe one veteran running back and then you want a bunch of young guys. Like that's kind of where the league is going here. But uh but man, I mean yeah, you look at that wide receiver room between DeAndre Hopkins, who's like before A B went insane, I mean, he was top two at worst. Top three at worst. 
right? You have that. You have Larry Fitz, who has been top 10 wide receiver in his career and still, I don't know why, he's still like year after year, still wants to play. And then, yeah, Christian Kirk behind that. It was a pretty good number two. Like, man, that's just, that's a, that's a crazy, crazy wide receiver room for uh, for an offense that likes to throw the ball. So Arizona yeah. definitely could be a uh, uh, an up-and-coming team next year. Well, that and Chase Edmonds and uh, Kenyon Drake are both yeah, receiving and, yeah, and, running yeah, backs. Drake. I mean, yeah. that's I mean, if I had to watch a team on the NFC just for fun, it'd definitely be the Cardinals. They're gonna be a lot of fun to watch. You can't forget about our uh, our guy Max Williams. He might catch two passes a game this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now, if there if there's any former Ravens tight end I'm gonna be watching, it's gonna be Hayden Hurst. <laughs> yeah, between oh, him absolutely. and Gurley. And, uh, of course, uh, Treadwell, uh, can't be forgotten, going to yeah. the Falcons. I think that's going to be an interesting room there. I saw something crazy. Like, they have 10 of their 11 starters were first-round picks on offense. Something stupid. Like, <laughs> super, super interesting uh, team. Because they also picked up a guard, I believe. So, lots of interesting go- things going on in the NFL. At least free agency can happen and keep under 10 people in a room. <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to close out this episode of Ravens Recap. Thanks for joining us as we talk through all the free agency signs of the Ravens. Definitely going to be an interesting 2020 season. I'm looking forward to seeing how all these moves play out. I think we have a really exciting defense to look forward to in addition to our very young and explosive offense. Thanks again for contributing to our comp pick bracket. If you haven't had a chance yet, you can still find it on Twitter. Ravens underscore recap is where you can find us there, or you can send us an email, feedback at ravensrecap.com. Leave us a review in iTunes, tell a friend. It's been really fun doing the podcast this offseason, giving us something to look forward to. And we've been getting a lot of new new listeners and new followers. So really appreciate it, guys. Keep up the great work, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>